0: To Detroit today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, I'm really glad you have joined us today. We are less than one week into the presidency of Joe Biden, but plenty has happened in Washington during that time. Biden has taken more than 30 executive actions in just six days. They include moves to strengthen the federal government's response to the pandemic, re enter the Paris Climate Accord and establish new environmental protections, and end Donald Trump's ban on transgender service members. Meanwhile, Republicans in the Senate are already settling back into their role as an obstructionist minority party. And yesterday, the House officially delivered its article of impeachment against Donald Trump to the Senate, triggering another Senate impeachment trial, For the now former president here to talk about everything that is happening in Washington this week is Congresswoman Debbie Dingell, a Democrat from Dearborn who represents Michigan's 12th congressional district. Debbie, as always, great to have you here on Detroit Today.
1: Well, good morning, Stephen. Good morning, everybody listening. And it's always great to be with you.
0: Yes, it's always great to hear your voice. So I I actually want to start uh, before we talk about what's going on in, in Washington uh, right now, I, I want to start by talking about what you have been doing since the pandemic started, because I think it's it's pretty cool and and pretty significant. Every day on Facebook, you write about what day we are in in the pandemic. I think, uh, according to you, we're somewhere in the three twenties at this point, and you just kind of go down the list of things that have happened things that you're feeling, things that you're thinking about. And it's this really great record, I think, and it will be a great historical record of what has happened to us, uh, you know, while, while this terrible disease has, uh, you know, ravaged the the planet and taken so much from us. Uh, talk just a little bit about why you're doing that and and how important it's become.
1: Well, I don't know why I started it, because it's a lot of work. You get up every morning and spend a couple hours writing. But I started it at first because I'm no different than anybody else. I was home by myself in Dearborn. I was looking at every crack in the wall that needed to be fixed. I was totally isolated. And quite frankly, at the beginning, I still am. Was very, very frightened. Didn't want to go to the grocery store. Didn't go to the grocery store. Only ordered from Instacart or Amazon. And was even, you know, the neighbors would say, do you want to go for a walk? And was very careful. And I knew a lot of other people felt like that. At the same time, I checked in on a neighbor uh, who's older who said, I can't go anywhere. If I get sick, I'll die. They don't care. They've already made a decision. My life is expendable. And then I was talking to a young college student who was feeling really depressed. And I realized that this whole new experience was real, that we were scared. We didn't have any information. And I really just started writing it so people would know how they felt was just how the rest of us felt. And then I started to try to get answers to questions for people because people had a lot of questions. Uh, I at the very beginning was doing a minimum of one town hall a week. Some weeks I was trying to do two town halls. Um, that Now, um, during the holidays, I went to, I, I averaged about one a week or one every other week. We're returning to one town hall a week as we get more information. And then, you know, we were all frozen on COVID for a while, and that's all we were talking about. But then other things began to happen, and I think people want to know what's happening in Washington, so... I never know what I'm going to write about when I wake up, Steve. I just take my iPad and start writing. Hmm.
0: Wow. Yeah. And like I said, I think one of the things that will be true after this is all over is the record of what what happened will become so important. And this is uh, a, a really meticulous record. I think if you go back and look at all of the things you've written, there's this incredible narrative of all of the things that we've experienced and, and felt together over the last year. Okay, let's talk now about uh, about work. Uh, yesterday, the House sent over its article of impeachment against Donald Trump, the second time that's happened. Tell me what you expect to happen in the Senate uh, now that this impeachment trial is going to begin. Do you have a sense of how republicans will react to this and whether democrats will come together to 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 support the idea of of impeaching the president again
1: you know i have a lot of complicated feelings about all of this there is no question that donald trump must be held accountable for what happened in washington i and i've uh, and i did vote uh, for the impeachment I do believe that a lot of people, you've heard me say this so much, you tune it out. Uh, I mean, just in private conversations, even that this country is being divided by fear and hatred. And I don't think people understood what that meant until they saw what happened at the Capitol on January 6th. Mm-hmm. And I think it was um, it was a scene that shook up a lot of people. Uh, I quite frankly I mean I was right there I was on the floor I was in the middle of it I heard the pounding and the screaming heard the gunshot you know I was one of the people that could told to get down on the floor get your gas mask but I never somebody told me that they thought I was in shock because I was so calm and I was I if you're a woman from Michigan you're used to people getting upset you're used to being yelled at I've spent the last two years, I never knew who was going to disrupt anything. So I was probably very stupidly more calm than um, I should have been. But it was afterwards when you saw the real video. Te- you know, when you're in the, A, we were in the chamber. So that was locked off. You thought you were safe. And then we were in the undisclosed room that they were trying to keep us safe. in. you didn't, and we didn't have televisions in any of them didn't know what was going on. you didn't see some of the scenes nor a lot of the stories that have come out since then where there clearly was some planning and um, some collusion that that is it that is an act against the government of the United States of America mm. and that's something we must take seriously. Mm. but I also expressed to people that we don't want to contribute to further division in this country. So we have to do this in a very responsible way, in a way that I I hope it was a wake up call for a lot of people as to the kind of hate that's being banned between each other. I thought Joe Biden's inaugural speech was perfect when he talked about unity. There are lots of people that I don't disagree with or don't agree with, but we can disagree agreeably. You and I have our, you know, I don't think you're quite right on that. Stephen, although I think I'm right most of the
2: time.
1: Um, But we've got to find a way to get back to civility and to respect because what's happening in this country is very dangerous and is cracking the foundations of our democracy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you are you in the camp that you think that sending the message to President Trump uh, by way of essentially preventing him from ever running again for president is the reason to pursue impeachment. I mean, if he's in, if he's removed uh, by the Senate, if he's convicted by the Senate, uh, he would not be able to, to to try to run again for president. Is that the reason to do it or is there a bigger message? Well,
1: I think that there are a lot of people that are talking about it. And the fact of the matter is is that as we are listening to stories of what happened, he tried to take a government and really almost do a coup. When you hear the stories of what he was doing at the Department of Justice, which is now being investigated by the inspector general of the Justice Department, when you see the kind of pressure that he tried to put on our local, our Republican leadership in our state legislature, what he did with the Attorney General of Georgia, you know, we're a country that's the rule of the law. People have to believe in the integrity and the credibility of our elections. And he has shaken some of that very basic foundation of what our democracy is. And that is an attack on our democracy. And that is, I'm sorry, that is treason.
0: I'm talking with Congresswoman Debbie Dingell. Uh, We're talking about what's going on in Washington as the dawn of the Joe Biden administration (coughs) takes over as well as the end of the Trump administration, which still lingers in the form of an article of impeachment that was sent from the House of Representatives to the Senate yesterday. Uh, The Senate will take up that article and debate it uh, pretty soon. Uh, Give us a call. If you want to join the conversation, let us know how you're feeling about President Biden's first week in office. Has he impressed you with the way he started his presidency? Or do you wish he was doing things differently or doing different things? Uh, Do you believe that the Democratic majorities in the House and the Senate are going to be able to govern effectively in the next couple of years? We're just starting to see how all of that is going to work with a 50-50 split uh, in the Senate. And what do you make of Republican response to that? Uh, There is a little bit of obstruction that is already rearing its head uh, coming out of especially Senate Republicans. As always, uh, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, go to Twitter and hashtag to Drake Today. We'll try to include you that way. Also give us a call and let us know what you think about impeachment. Uh do you think Donald Trump should should be convicted by the Senate um even though he's no longer in office? Uh that that would uh, it's unprecedented anyway for the Senate to 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 convict a president. That hasn't happened uh in, in our past. Um but to convict a president after he's left office would make it an even stranger precedent, I think. Uh, give us a call and let us know. Uh, what you think of uh, all of that. Uh, Debbie, before we get to uh, listeners, I want to get your assessment of President Biden's first week in office. Lots of executive orders. I'm not a fan of executive orders. I'm not a fan of the growth of the use of executive orders by presidents uh, who who become frustrated, I think, with Congress not being able to Uh, to enact legislation, but it's just a part of the presidency now. And he seems to be using it in a very effective way uh, of, of undoing some of the, the more toxic things that, uh, that Donald Trump did.
1: You know, I'm, uh, I would prefer to avoid executive orders in the regular uh, order of, Washington, but you are correct in your last statement that there were so many things that had been done that had to be corrected immediately, that these executive orders are sort of setting the guideposts by which we need to get some action done in the Congress and work on some of them. I, I mean, how masks? I mean, go to something as simple as The scientists tell us that masks save lives. How the wearing of masks became so political in these United States of America, I'll ever know. So he is telling people they have to wear masks for 100 days on federal lands and on airplanes and buses. The New York Times article uh, today, actually, about the abuse that airline um, attendants and uh, pilots have put up with when they're trying to get, passengers to wear their masks. I mean, this is, you know, we need to do this. We need a national COVID strategy. So that's what he did, you know, immediately. And if you go through what he's doing each day, it's really doing things that are undoing things that Donald Trump did that caused, you know, rejoining the Paris Agreement, rejoining the World Health Organization. These are things that we need to do on the world stage, and they'll be followed up with, appropriations and authorizations in congressional bills, quite frankly, what he's doing this week is just riding the ship.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number here on the phones. Uh, let's start with Vishwas in Troy. Vishwas, welcome to Detroit Today.
3: Good morning, uh, Stephen. I uh, love your show. Thanks Thank so you. much for all that you do. Thank you. Uh, and good morning to uh, Senator David Dingell um my question is um in the uh, new uh, list of uh, priorities that um president biden's um, um has <clears throat> there's a lot of uh, coverage that is given for uh, undocumented or the DACA recipients uh i'm here as a legal recipient and uh, waiting uh, to get my green card's for almost been 10 to 12 years now um and i wanted to know um, the priorities or how, what can be done so that uh, even legal immigrants get some, uh, you know, uh, a path to citizenship. Uh,
0: uh, Vishwas, before I have Congresswoman Dingle respond, I, I, I want to make sure I understood you right. You have been waiting 24 years. Is that what you said? For Green 12, Co- Twelve. Twelve. Twelve years. Yes. OK, wow. That's still a very long time. Uh, I, I really appreciate the call, uh, though, and the question. Uh, Debbie, uh, uh, respond to what Vishwas is talking about here.
1: So I think that the president's going to move very quickly to give stability to the DACA students who have been a political um, ping-pong ball for the last few years. And I can't tell you the number of students who, in cases that I have worked on, on young people who came to this country didn't know they were illegal. Their lives have been here. This is the only life they've known. They pay taxes. They've served in the military, etc. cetera. President uh, Biden has acknowledged, and I agree with him 100%, that we need to have comprehensive immigration reform. We need to um, deal with this issue. I think the specifics of his proposal are still being worked out. I do think he plans on doing it. It is one of the bills he wants to get done this year. So I can't give you the specific um, timeline that you're looking for, but I know that this is a priority for him. And you saw that in his series of these first 10 days of executive orders he is doing, he is doing DACA in immigration to show people it is a priority.
0: Mm, Yeah. Uh, Vishwas, uh, again, I really appreciate the call and I hope that, uh, I hope that, that uh, you're able to get uh, your green card. That, that is a long time to be waiting to, to be able to participate more fully uh, in, our, in our country. Um, let's go to Gary in Dearborn next. Gary, welcome to Detroit Today. Yes, thank you, Stephen. Uh,
3: hello, Representative. Uh, two points. One is I think the Democrats need to focus on using reconciliation, Uh, as opposed to regular order, and they need to focus on not something that doesn't have broad appeal, but on something like $2,000 checks for the American people.
0: Mm. Uh, Gary, I I really appreciate the call. I I think we got to do a little explaining for listeners what the difference is between reconciliation, which is a part of the budget process uh, and executive orders, which, which which come from the president. But it's a it, it's a great question. Debbie, can you spend just a little time talking well, about that?
1: I mean, the $2,000 checks that you're talking about are still going to have to go through the Congress. And what, um, you know, the, the stimulus checks are, are very complicated. And quite frankly, I know that a lot of people are hurting them. We need to get dollars to them. And what Joe Biden's plan would do is, as you know, before Christmas, there was a six hundred dollar payment that was authorized, and he would add another fourteen hundred, so everybody gets two thousand dollars. And by the way, the the process isn't perfect. I mean, I have lab technicians. I hear from one of them. I mean, I know her. She talks to me regularly. That was fully employed uh, in two nineteen and was laid off by the university. She had a very good income but uh, that year, but uh, is not eligible because of her income, but she has no income and nobody's taking care of her. And you've got two income families there. We've, I've really been talking to leadership about how we take care of other people who need help too. When you're talking about how we are going to actually get this COVID bill through, which is much more than just these payments. It's more money for vaccine, uh, to put more money into the Defense Preparedness Act to get the the syringes we need, the alcohol swaps, the PPP, the more PPE, uh, restaurant business, small businesses, childcare, aid to state and local governments, all those things that we need to do if if it were to go with what's called regular order. Senators are able to filibuster. So you could have, you would need two thirds vote and you could have a number of senators filibuster it. Reconciliation is a parliamentary process that was worked out a number of years ago that requires a simple majority. And if you saw last night, Rachel Maddow was interviewing Chuck Schumer and he was very clear that the Senate would use reconciliation as the vehicle to try to get this COVID package through.
0: Yeah, again, Gary, really, really great question. And uh, I'm glad you called and added it to our conversation here. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Congresswoman Debbie Dingell, and we will get to more of your calls as well. Vera in Dearborn, Glenn in the Cass Corridor, Bill in Bloomfield Hills. We'll hear from all of you next. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019. Is the number here on the phones? We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.
3: WDET delivers trusted news,
2: inclusive conversations, and cultural experiences
3: that empower the community.
2: 1019 WDET,
3: Detroit's NPR station.
0: This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. As always, I'm glad you have joined us. My guest is Congresswoman Debbie Dingell, Democrat from Dearborn. She represents Michigan's 12th congressional district. We're talking about all the things that are going on in Washington right now as the Biden administration gets started and the Trump administration leaves town. Uh, There is still a lingering question about the Trump administration And that is the article of impeachment that was forward forwarded from the House of Representatives to the Senate uh, yesterday, and we are waiting to hear what will happen to that uh, in the Senate. If you want to talk about impeachment, you want to talk about the executive orders that Joe Biden has already signed. You want to talk about COVID relief and the other priorities that will confront him in the next weeks and months, Uh, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag us and uh, we'll try to include you in the conversation that way. Um, I'm going to go next to Vera in Dearborn. Vera, welcome to the show.
3: I wanted to say that I appreciate that you uh, labeled this a Coup, um, because I believe it was, too. I don't know if you read the article or the opinion piece by Fiona Hill. She, she laid it out so well. It was an attempted self-coup. Um, and I, I think that if we don't label these things properly, mm-hmm. we have the tendency to not address the seriousness um, of them. Yeah. Um we you know, we we've been so desensitized to his outrageous behavior, um, that we tend to minimize things and, and this should not be minimized. I mean uh and I believe firmly that he should be impeached and I hope and pray that they get enough people on board to impeach him and um God forbid he ever runs for office again. Hmm. I mean, I don't know if if the democracy can take it. I really <laughs> don't. I think he's going to do enough damage from the sidelines. His intent is to divide and conquer, yeah. and uh, it's terrifying.
0: Vera, uh, Vera, I I really appreciate the call and and the comments, and I I absolutely agree that you got to call things what they are. And this this was an attempted this was an attempted coup. Uh, Debbie, one of the interesting th- things that's kind of cropped up in the wake of what happened a few weeks ago is <coughs> the relationship, the d- a debate about the relationship between speech and uh, violence. In other words, uh, you know, did the president's speech, did the president's, the things he says, incite uh, these people who attacked the Capitol uh, a few weeks ago? And, of course, that's now become a bigger debate about what kind of speech should should be acceptable and what shouldn't be, and and how should platforms that have tremendous control over people's uh, speech be dealing with this? I'm I'm curious about where you where you draw lines here. Uh, I, I think it's it's pretty obvious that the what the president said was out of bounds, and and certainly uh, helped incite. The 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 mob that, that attacked the Capitol, but this question about you know the kind of speech he indulged in for for four years uh, on Twitter uh, and in other places. I mean, I think we're having a, a pretty important conversation about our democracy and free speech. Of course, lies at the core of that.
1: I think this is going to be one of the most challenging discussions we have to have in the next year. I do believe in free speech. And I think Donald Trump tried to attack free speech, and I think he tried to attack freedom of the press. So it, it makes me even more sensitive to it. But social media has become a tool of spread of spreading lies, of spreading vitriolicness, ugly rhetoric. You know, I look at just my own Facebook page, the page that you talk about that I do every morning, mm-hmm. and I almost, I look at it in awesome days, says people make death threats people make you know it it and that's not where the planning goes on on the darker web of some of the stuff and mm-hmm. sort of the it, it, I, I think that social media which began as a tool to bring us together is a tool that is absolutely dividing the world it's dividing us as countries it's dividing us as people you know one of the most important things about a functioning community, a society, is relationships. People knowing each other, people trusting each other, getting, I mean, caring, that touching. Social media is, I will yell at the kids that work for me and say, call somebody and what do they do? They text, they email. I'm like, did you talk to them? Did you ask them a question? Did you hear what they really thought? You can't get to know somebody with words and those words were anonymous and you think you can say anything. I mean, if I were to read you some of the things that people write me, and, I, and I, I'm not, i not, mine are pretty bad, but they're far worse on some other people. That's not okay either. So how do we not censor, how do we protect freedom of speech, but how do we bring credibility, respect, civility, facts, truths back to all of this? It's not easy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Vera, really appreciate the call. Uh, and and your thoughts uh, there let's go to Glenn in the Cas corridor. Glenn, what's on your mind? Hey uh,
2: thanks for taking my call Stephen this morning. Uh, I just really part of what you're talking about now um, I, my, my question is is it more important at this time to convict Trump or to enhance our laws? That would prevent a person like Trump to get as far as he did. Hmm. So,
0: so, when you and I'll s- take my answer off the line, so Glenn, before you before you go, give me an idea of what you're thinking of there. Like, like, uh, what would what would you change to prevent someone like Trump from doing this again?
2: Yeah, I think that's what you guys are talking about now is okay. the idea of free speech yeah. and about um, the First uh, Amendment. And there are certain things that that you cannot do, like uh yell fire in a, in a building uh when there's no fire and so this is, i mean isn't that kind of what he did when he said that we've got you've got to go to uh the to 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 the Congress you've so, got to march for the congress
0: yeah i I think it was i mean i I, I don't think. I don't think that's protected speech. I don't think what he did is protected speech. I, I I haven't heard a lot of people argue that it is. I think there are more questions about some of the other things that he has said on Twitter over the last 4 years, some of the the, the lying, the misinformation that he has indulged that is aimed at manipulating people and getting them to believe falsehoods, that kind of thing. But 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 Debbie respond to 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 Glenn's to question here.
1: I think it's very complicated. Uh, I think when you're talking about the man that we're talking about right now, he has a thousand lives and he has done a lot to um, really pit people against each other in this country. But we really need to have discussions about what is protected speech, what is freedom of speech, what is a threat. And I myself, I find I don't sleep at night thinking about this sometimes because I don't ever want us to be not a democracy where there is total freedom of speech. But how do you keep these lies, this vitriolicness, these total non-truths that become truths from happening? So we all have to do a lot of thinking and talking and pondering and something. And each of us needs to take our own responsibility we're trying to figure out what if what we are reading or what we are being told is real and credible or not. And that that's hard, too.
0: So I want to talk quickly about bipartisanship as it will play out in Washington over the next couple of months. And of course, over the next two years, Uh, there is a report today that, that there is going to be an agreement among Republicans and Democrats in the Senate about how to run the Senate as a 50-50 split with the vice president breaking ties and what role the filibuster will play in, in, in all of that, which is good news. I mean, that, that that moves us forward. But I wonder what you make. I mean, you spend a lot of time thinking about how to work with Republicans. Democrats will have control of both houses and the presidency how do you push bipartisanship even in that context? How do you push the idea of working with Republicans when really you're not going to have to? On, on oh yes, issues? you're going to
1: have to, Steven the clip. We, you just said it. this Senate is 50, 50. We have just a few vote majority in the house. You know, Democrats aren't monolithic. Republicans aren't monolithic. Sure. You're going to have bills that, uh, Susan Collins or, a uh, Lisa Murkowski, are going to be with the Democrats on. You're going to have bills that um, Fred Upton's going to be with us on or but some of the progressives won't. You know, we got to just get to, to, I mean, I'm a pure, simple person. Get to know each other. Begin to build that trust. Have meetings. Talk about ideas. Try to build bills with a broad coalition of people so that you have um, more people participating and then you feel more ownership uh in terms of what happens and by the way different people have different perspectives you know we don't know it all i don't know it all you don't know it all listening to some people and who's have other life experiences bringing it to the table matters so i think even among the democratic caucus you're going to have to have the frontliners are going to have to talk to the progressives more and that may be a good thing we're not each other's enemies and you know where we all need to start out we need to start out that we're americans i'm not a Democrat or Republican, I'm an American who loves my country, and I want to do what's right for my country, my state, and my community.
0: Okay, Congresswoman Debbie Dingell, Democrat from Dearborn, who represents Michigan's twelfth congressional district. It's always great to talk with you. Thank you so much for joining.
1: Thank us you, morning. Stephen. Be safe.
0: Yes, you too. Wear your mask. Yes, everyone wear a mask. All right, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about the return of in person school for many Michigan students, teachers, and families with University of Michigan School of Education Dean Dr. Elizabeth Moji. Stay with us for more Detroit Today.